right, everybody, welcome back. This is Todd Sylvester with the Todd Sylvester's Inspires Belief Cast. I'm thankful once again to be here with an opportunity to, to have you guys hear an amazing story from an amazing person, Tessa Yates. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Todd. Yeah. I have been listening to your podcast recently, so I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, and I'm excited to hear your story. Um, but before we get into any of that, I, I do need to thank our sponsor, uh, Veracity Networks. Uh, they've been so great to to me and this podcast, and so I need to give a shout out to them. And um, and I want to thank all of you listeners for all your support. Uh, we're you know, reaching out to a lot of people who have been struggling, who have been inspired by the messages, and today's going to be no different. And, um, you know, Tess and I work together at Wasatch Recovery, yes. and I've known you probably now. How long have you been here? I will have worked here for a year in August, so almost oh, a year. wow. Okay, that's gone by fast. Yep. Um, so tell our listeners what you what's your position here at Wasatch. Okay, so I am the recreational therapist, um, pretty much. People are like, what What even is that? Yeah, what it's, is that? <laughs> it's not a very known career, but I love what I do. And I love it because I almost get to reintroduce people on just how to enjoy life right. and have new experiences that they haven't had before. Right. Um, <clears throat> and just introduce them into this idea that recreation and... Um, physical activity or art or all these different modalities can just help heal their mind and body because they are so important. The mind and the body work together. For sure. So just having, you know, the therapists here and then having that, the rec program, they just work so well together. They really do. Yeah. And, and, you know, and you've done this before you, you used to work at other, uh, mm -hmm. another treatment center and, and what have you. But from the time that I've known you, I mean, you're fantastic at what you do. Thank you. And what I love most about you is just your positive attitude. I've never seen you in a bad mood. I mean, and I'm not just saying this. That's the truth. Like, you're you're positive. The residents will always respond, man, she's just so fun to be around because she's just so energetic. And and truly, when you say you help people enjoy life again, mm -hmm. it's truly what you're doing. And I've been on some of your experientials and your you know, we go to play some volleyball. And it's oh. just a blast. And I, yeah, I think fun. I told you even last week, I needed that. Yeah, we went. We went and played volleyball mm -hmm. with the residents, and I afterwards told you, I, I thank you for letting me come. I needed that. Yeah, and sometimes you don't realize you need it until you just <laughs> do it. Yeah, and you're like, that's been so beneficial to me. Yeah. Well, yeah, and we get clients who come here who um, they haven't played like that since they were maybe in elementary school. Oh, and I'll have them in an art group, or yeah, volleyball, or just going to the gym and. I ask them, when's the last time you did this? And it's just kind of crickets. Yeah. Or when did you do this in your addiction? And again, crickets. It's <laughs> right. just, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Well, um, I want uh, everyone to kind of get to know you even more so. And uh, and I, I'm so grateful you're willing to share your story because you've got a great one. So let's kind of start. Where did you grow up and a little bit about your family? Okay. So I grew up in good old Murray, Utah. Yeah. I don't know why I put good old before that. <laughs> I don't know. I just good old. It sounds good. good. <laughs> um, but I've been in the same house that I was born and raised in. I currently still live with my parents, oh, okay. so I'm still in that house in Murray. I went to Parkside Elementary, Hillcrest Junior High, Murray High uh, School. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then to BYU after that, where I got my degree in recreational therapy. Okay. Um, 
And then I have, there's my mom and my stepdad, and I have two brothers, two stepbrothers, and two stepsisters. Oh, really? So we've got a big family yeah. once we all combined, which I think is so fun. Yeah. Um, just being, I love my siblings, and right. I I love the connections we have with each when, other. When did your parents divorce? How old were you when that happened? My parents divorced um, when I was, I believe I was six. Okay. And this is, I was talking to my mom about this podcast last night and trying to just go over, there's a lot of gray areas in my childhood, especially right. with like when timing of when things happened and um, we're just trying to be like, when did this happen? And when did this happen? Uh. But <laughs> I'm pretty sure I was six. So I was probably going into first grade when my parents okay. got divorced. Right. Do you remember any of that when you think back on it? Um, the actual divorce? Well, just like knowing that, okay, dad's not in the house or mom, you know, they've mm -hmm. separated or whatever it was. Like, mm -hmm. do you remember going, okay, this is weird or it's hard or do you I, remember that? I do have this memory um, and we'll get more into kind of why my dad wasn't there. But I do have this memory of when I was very young and I was at my friend's house and my mom asked me to come over and say goodbye to my dad. She's like, he's going to be leaving for some time. And mm. I was annoyed because I was like, I'm playing with my friends. But I do remember that memory of her saying, okay, give your dad a hug. He's, we won't see him for a while. And I didn't really understand why or what was going on, but it was a little weird for me. But I felt like my mom and my brother stepped in so much that it, it was pretty normal right. until I got older and realized more things. Yeah, as you get older, you kind of go, okay, you start putting the pieces of the puzzle mm -hmm. together and maybe you get more information from yeah. mom and mm -hmm. things like that and so um so growing up I mean talk about that I mean what what were some of the maybe things that you did some challenges that maybe you went through as a young kid yeah so um the reason my dad wasn't in the pictures because he he started using cocaine when I was about five years old mm. um and so that's the reason for my parents divorce and um, that cocaine use has continued up to my age now where I, I'm 23 and he's still so, struggling so with that. So a long time, yeah. A long time, yeah, almost, I guess, 20 years. Yeah. Um, but so that at an age of five, that's when that whole began. And it, it went from my mom being a stay-at-home mom, her picking me up from kindergarten and being there every day to almost like the rug just being swept out from underneath us right where mom now had to work full-time jobs and it was chaotic for a second because we were just trying to readjust into yeah. this new this new life without my dad um and i think and this has continued with me for a while but at a young age i had this idea of like I needed to be perfect and I think because mm. I saw that it was hard for my mom to make that adjustment right. as I got more into elementary school I really wanted things to be perfect for her when she got home so I would always clean the house before she got home and if my brothers were fighting I would freak out like don't fight don't fight but right because you wanted to keep things like I wanted to control those things control I felt it. like I could control yeah because there's things I couldn't right um and just, I think this is the funniest story, but in fourth grade, I failed a moon phase test. <laughs> Still remember it. And uh -huh. I went home and I bawled because I 
I was like, I'm not going to get an A. I'm not going to get an A in that class because I failed this test. And I was like, and then I'm not going to get into BYU because I have bad grades. And that was in fourth grade. And I always already had this sense that I had to have things just so in order to be successful. Okay. Um, and that and that did follow me for quite some time. Well, it's kind of like almost, you know, you 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 when you you know that your mom and dad have separated and divorced, mm-hmm. and you obviously can't control that at mm-hmm. your age. And now you're trying to control things. It was almost like you're overcompensating. Yeah. Because of maybe what you were dealt with there. Mm-hmm. And you're thinking, okay, but if I do all these things, then everything will be okay. It'll, it'll be fine. It'll yeah. be fixed. Yeah, I I for sure felt that way. Um, but I, I'm going to, I, I had a great childhood. I had a lovely childhood. And um, I think, well, I know it's because of the people on the outside that stepped in to help our family. Mm, um, okay. So a lot of the community. Yeah. Neighbors, in and- neighbors. We have a very strong extended family. Um, friends, parents of friends taking yeah. me to school. My grandparents lived with us for every summer for like five years. Okay. They always came to live with us while we were out of school. And I got to do the things I, I really love to do. So I grew up dancing. Okay. And I, I, that was my passion growing up. And I started when I was four and then I danced all the way through high school and I took really? dance classes into college, but that was my passion and that was never taken away from me, which I think is, we struggled financially, but my mom knew that dance was so important to me Right. that she didn't want to take that away from me. That's awesome. And we, we were laughing when I was talking to my mom about this <laughs> because we couldn't afford tuition. And so we'd always, we'd. We were called like the studio moppers. We cleaned the oh. studio in exchange for tuition. And my okay. mom was so willing to do that. Wow. And and as a little girl, it taught me that sometimes you have to sacrifice for the things you want. Yeah. What a great lesson at a mm-hmm. young age even. Even yeah. though that's hard, it uh, what a what a lesson. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. I mean, I'm surprised that you knew you wanted where you wanted to go to college at such a young age. It's because most people are still trying to figure that out. I don't know. <laughs> it's because my my mom and my dad both went to BYU and they met at oh, BYU gotcha. and so you had this in your mind. My older brothers um, were we all talked about BYU and so I did have this idea in my mind like I I have to go to BYU. I really <laughs> want to go. And in order to go to BYU, I have to get straight A's in fourth grade, which is not yeah. true at all. But I set those really high expectations for myself that just it wasn't what yeah. it really needed to be well and you mentioned too that you were you know like this perfectionist you wanted mm-hmm. to do everything right as best that you could and wh- how did you handle it when you didn't live up to what you thought was the perfection obviously you mentioned when mm-hmm. you failed that but get it a little more detail into that and how that played a part is growing up yeah, um, I don't think I handled it well. <laughs> um, yeah, that story in fourth grade, and that's just a glimpse of it. But I almost felt if I didn't do things just so or perfectly that it had an effect on my worth or it made me mm-hmm. um, less successful as a person or just right. less valuable as a person. Mm. And I... I really didn't see the effects of that until college. And okay. that's where it mostly pl- 
played into my life. I, I mean, I set high expectations for myself in elementary school and junior high and high school. And I, I mean, I had my family by me all the time and I had so much support, but when I left for college and I was almost by myself, that's when I felt that the detrimental effects of trying to be so perfect perfect and do things just so. And when that didn't happen, that's when I, I didn't cope well with it. Gotcha. So what, what, how did you cope with it? So (laughs) this is, yeah, this is, and this is something I don't talk about a lot. Um, and I, I've talked about with my family and with my friends, but I I actually eating disorder in college. Okay. Um, is that when it started? Yeah, it started after my freshman year of college and it actually started after I ran a marathon. Interesting. Um, and I, cause I ran this marathon and you run a marathon and I was so healthy and I was strong and proud of myself for doing that. Well, yeah, that's, that's quite, hard. That is so hard. I yeah. trained so hard for it and wow. I completed it and I met my goal in under four hours and I was like ecstatic. But the next week I remember I just hated, I like hated my body. I hated the way I looked. Um, I, f- I just did not feel good about myself. And that was a week after I made this huge accomplishment, this right. physical and mental accomplishment. And that summer, I just, I tried to lose weight. I tried to do all these crash diets. And it was this, it turned into this cycle of in college where I didn't feel good about myself. Um, I didn't feel valuable because I felt like my body wasn't right and something was wrong with my right. body. Okay. Um, and so it turned into this cycle of binge eating a lot of food and then controlling it and not eating and exercising a lot um, to okay. binging again and controlling it. And it was right. this cycle because my body was in turmoil from all of that. And so I felt worse about myself. Right. And then I would do those actions again and then I just felt worse about myself and I, I wanted to be perfect, have this perfect. And I had so much turmoil going on inside that I, I just did not cope with that well at all. Yeah. Well, so, so you do this marathon, you're training for this marathon was Mm -hmm. one of the reasons why you did the marathon is, did you think that's going to help me get in kind of the body that I want? Or, I mean, because were you hating your body? Because you said I hated the way I looked. Mm -hmm. I mean, a week later, did, did the hatred start before the marathon or? So I look, I look back into high school and I didn't worry mm. about that at all. And I think what it might've first started it is just going into college, into this new environment. And yeah. there's tons of young adults. Right. Um, and I think that's when I started to just slightly compare myself to other people. Yeah. Um, what they looked like and how I was similar, different to them and what I could change to make myself look better. Um, and so I think that was there, but after I finished that marathon, I was, I was like, I just ran this marathon and I, it's just like, I don't understand why I still don't like my body. Hmm. Um, and so I don't, I'm not sure when that exactly started, but after that marathon, I just felt horrible about myself and it wasn't 
I mean, I would recommend running to anyone. And I, I love, I loved that marathon. And I still consider that my like proudest moments of myself. Yeah. That's, that's Um, an accomplishment. I just thought it was interesting that I had done something so hard and yet I still felt so crappy about myself yeah. after it. it. It hits me too because I talk a lot about this with clients and you know mm-hmm. this because you do too is how powerful belief is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you do this amazing thing but you had this belief as you looked at yourself in the mirror or however you did it and you were like, I don't like the way I look and you just believed because yeah. you mentioned something really I think that uh, our listeners can relate to is you started comparing. You just saw, oh, God, mm-hmm. look at how pretty maybe yeah. she looks, or yeah. I wish I had legs like hers, mm-hmm. or whatever you were saying. But it's uh, that's where it starts. As simple mm-hmm. as that, you start comparing, like, or in other words, what you're doing is I'm not as good as yes. these people. Yep. And comparing maybe the things I struggle with the most to their very best. Yeah. And then that's a huge disconnect. <laughs> yes, it is. And then I start yeah. telling myself that story that, yeah, I'm just not good enough and I need to change. Yeah. But. So how long did uh, that, I mean, did it continue for a while? So yeah, it it continued for quite some time. And this is where my dad's addiction kind of started intertwining into my life in college. Because up to that point, life was pretty normal. And I felt pretty sheltered from my dad's addiction. Right. Um. But as I got to that age, my freshman and sophomore year, um, my dad was living in Orem at that time. Okay. And he really wanted to come back into mine and my brother's life where he had been so absent before. So I was, I was growing up, I get to college, and then my dad wants to spend time with me, and I haven't built that connection with him. Yeah. And so I started trying to see him more and like spend time with him. Um, but then he would fall off the grid and then I'd hear that he relapsed, um, from my brothers cause he wouldn't tell me. So mm. I started also telling myself this story that I was going through this personal struggle with food where I was using that as my coping. Yeah. And then there was my dad who had this addiction and I started also almost like combining those stories. Like I was like my dad, just like my dad. I'm just like my dad. Yeah. And look, his life is out of control, and I feel like I'm like that too. Wow. So I started almost making the excuse that I'm like this because my dad is like this. And I remember, so this struggle, this binging and restricting and over-exercising and everything continued up to my senior year of college, which was just like a year and a half ago. Right. Um, but I remember my junior year of college, I was trying to study for a test. And that day I'd found out my dad relapsed after like a year of being clean. Oh, okay. Um, my brother told me, and I was really struggling with my self image at that time with my body, with my eating. And I was trying to study for this test and I, I could not study. And I started, I was in the basement of the library at BYU <laughs> And I started like bawling and I was like, I felt so embarrassed. And so I got up and I took off out of the library and I called my mom and I was just like, I'm just like dad. Like he, I just felt so like a victim to the circumstance he was going through. And 
Did, like did your mom know that you I were had, struggling with the eating disorder yeah, thing? Yeah. Oh, so she knew this. She knew. Okay. Yeah, she definitely knew. So when you mentioned, I'm just like that, she yeah, knew what you were talking about. she knew about. I was talking about. Okay. And I, because I, that freshman year of college is when it began, and I probably didn't tell her. I didn't tell her the whole first summer it was going on. I told her after that summer. But she knew at this point, and I just was so frustrated with what was going on with my dad and the behaviors I was doing. And I I said to her, I, I feel like I'm just like dad. And I will always remember her saying, you are not your dad and you have your own distinct choices. You are right. your own person. And this might be frustrating, but you have the power to choose what you're going to do with your life and your, your dad's life is not your life at all. Um, great advice in that moment, right? Yeah. And I think I almost didn't want to hear it cause I want to be like, no, this is why I'm doing no, the things I'm doing. I'm a victim. Yeah. I'm a victim yeah. to it. Um, but that I felt like was the spark that kind of helped me change my thinking and my story okay. and eventually my behaviors. Really? Yeah. That's awesome. It sounds like you got a really good mom. Yes, I. Who's not afraid to tell you the truth and yeah, and you know, and all those things she did, sacrificing when you were mm -hmm. growing up and yeah. allowing you to be in dance and those kind My of things. My mom is and amazing. So, mm -hmm. so you had that moment where she mm -hmm. says these things, and it was kind of like okay, kind of a wake up call. Mm -hmm. So let's talk a little bit about what did you do, and how, and did you go seek help or did you just like start just working on you yourself? Let's talk about that. Yeah, I. I had gone to see some um, counselors prior, but I don't think I was in the place to really change at that point because I yeah. I was telling myself this story and I really just did not like myself that I didn't feel like I wanted to change. I kind of wanted to be stuck in this rut. Yeah. I wanted that excuse to be stuck in that rut. Um, but I felt like after that point it really came back to the beliefs and the story I was telling myself. Yeah. And I, I realized that it wasn't so much about the food, but about what I thought about my worth and right. who I thought I was as a person. And so I kind of just tried to just take the food out of the picture and be like, okay, why am I not okay with who I am as a person right now and what's going on there? And, mm -hmm. Um, it really had to start from the ground up of, do I like who I am when I look in the mirror? And at that time I didn't. And so right. I had to learn how just to love myself again, no matter what my weight looked like, Yeah. no matter what the outward appearance looked like, because it, your outward appearance and your worth as a person aren't the same thing. And so I did see some counselors. I... I talked it over with my friends a lot. Okay. I actually had a friend who I didn't know was struggling with the same thing and mm -hmm. she was on her mission and I felt I should reach out to her. She was on her LDS mission and right. I reached out to her and she actually sent back and she's like, I'm struggling with this thing. And it was like exactly what I was struggling with, but I didn't tell her I was struggling with that. So I was able to make this connection with someone really close to me who had a similar experience and she helped me a lot through that just having someone to confide in and uh, talk nice. things over with so it sounds like you're pretty open with it yeah i, I mean, you i mean seems like it is that correct 
Um, I, I mean, I feel more open with it now, but most of the time it was just my mom who knew. Okay. And then my brothers knew something was going on, so mm-hmm. I ended up telling them. Okay. Um, then my stepdad. And then it wasn't probably until a year ago that... I confided in like my other friends, my other really close friends, the one that didn't have the similar issue. Um, and now I'm talking about it on the podcast today, (laughs) which I, by the way, I I admire you for being vulnerable and being willing to share this. Yeah. And so, yeah, it wasn't, it took me a while to become more open about it because I, I, I had the shame about it, which was Mm -hmm. totally unnecessary. Right. And that kept me from, being authentic with other people about gotcha. it until I could take that shame away and just be honest. Um, but I, I feel like I can be open about it now because I, I love who I am today and I know my worth and my value and I know that it has nothing to do with what I look like. So that's good. And good that you got to that awareness. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And that took a minute for you to get there. Mm -hmm. So what would you say, you know, when you think of your belief now, what, what would it, what would you say it is? I think my belief now is that I, I am, I'm a strong individual and I'm a powerful individual. Right. And I, I have the ability to choose. And for a long time, when I told my story about that with my dad, I took, I was taking away that choice because I wanted to be a victim to that. But now I realize that I choose what I do in this life and I have that power to choose. And I, and I just think that I, I love myself and I love what I'm doing with my life and I'm successful even though I'm not perfect right and i'm valuable even though i'm not perfect and i never will be perfect and that is a-okay that's awesome yeah i love what you said about the you know how choice and how powerful choice is Mm -hmm. i think you know and i'm just gonna insert this here a little bit is i think we take that gift that we have to choose for granted Mm -hmm. I, i i think we don't really even understand how powerful a decision really is you know, yeah. and I love it what your mom said to you in that moment, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, you maybe didn't want to hear it in that moment, but it was like this wake up call like, okay, I'm in charge almost. Mm-hmm. Like, if I'm going to change this, I've got to do something, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's not, you know, and so seeing how you decided to choose to look at yourself differently, tell yourself a different story, mm-hmm. which at first you didn't fully believe. Yeah. <laughs> but I love that you said that because I think. You know, especially for our listeners, how powerful a decision truly is mm-hmm. and, and what that can do. And it change it changes everything if you want it to. Yeah. And I think that the reason why sometimes we don't want to believe we have that choice is because it gives us responsibility. Yeah. It's that awareness that re- brings that self-accountability and that responsibility for our life. And if we tell her the story that we don't have that power to choose, then we almost allow ourselves to lose that responsibility and that accountability. Very beautifully said. Thank you for sharing that. Well, I want to talk to, I mean, how, let's talk about, obviously your dad was going through an addiction Mm -hmm. throughout your 
childhood and uh, you yeah. know, even to this moment. Yep. Talk a little bit about that and can, how that's been for you. And I know you've shared a little bit, but let's get a little more into that. that it's just the how details the, of yeah, that. the details yeah. around that, if you don't mind. Um, so do you want me to just kind of explain a little bit more of the, the childhood aspect of it and up to today? Yeah, just more okay. of how you dealt with it as a kid. Because, yes, you were that girl who was working hard, making mm -hmm. sure everything's perfect. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and and you are a hard worker. I mean, I've been around mm -hmm. you. I mean, you're a go-getter and mm -hmm. you're positive and you're energetic and you get things done. Mm -hmm. And I love that. But, I mean, I, I guess I, I'm trying to – I want our listeners to understand, like, who they may be dealing with a loved one who – yeah has an addiction and they just seem to never quit or can't get off of it or whatever, just mm -hmm. your feelings around that and how you and your family, I guess, kind of coped and dealt with that. Yes. So my, uh, so I said he began using, um, when I was five years old and he went to a treatment center here in Utah mm -hmm. at that time. And I remember going to a family session at that treatment center. Um, and that's the only, one of the, earliest memories I had with my dad was going to that session and the therapist read a book about a dinosaur and every time the dinosaur lied it got bigger and bigger and bigger and he was really <laughs> just speaking to the children in the room which was me and my brothers but I remember that that book about that lying um That's and interesting. isn't that interesting <laughs> yeah, that is. I yeah <laughs> don't lie because the dinosaur gets bigger but <laughs> I so my childhood, my dad was very in and out. Okay. So he'd be here in Utah. Um, then he'd be in California. Okay. And then he'd be in Alaska. And then he'd come back to Utah. And he'd want to see us. And it was just like there was no consistency um, between where we would see him or how long we'd see him for. Um, and he actually, he spent a year in prison in Alaska. And so I remember there was that whole year of not really even hearing no from contact, him right um and then he also spent some time in jail here in utah and he i actually just opened a letter that he sent this morning from while he was in jail and i read it and i have not read it for really you read that it this was morning? It, i read it this morning and he wrote it in 2012 and i read it this oh, morning wow. and it just kind of brought back this what was going on at that time but so there was a lot of inconsistency growing up between um, what my dad was doing and what he said he was going to right. do. Um, but as I said earlier, I'm so grateful because I feel like there was that inconsistency with my dad, but so much consistency with other people in my life. Right. Um, like yeah. I said, my mom, my, my two brothers, my mom wasn't didn't get remarried till I was I want to say 12 8 12 I don't remember the exact right. but but between that time there's so much consistency between other family members everyone's stepping in and helping to make life just as normal as possible for a child my age and I feel so grateful for that because I feel like a lot of people who have a parent who is that inconsistent and who's going through that, those major problems, it takes, they can't almost be a child anymore. There's so much that takes them away from it. But I got to almost stay in this little childhood bubble. Right. And, and dance and play tennis and hang out with my friends 
and it was because of the people who just supported us right so willingly well, that's amazing that people stepped up to that and especially yeah. your mom even that, mm-hmm. you know having to do that on her own a little bit and mm-hmm. um I, I want to go back to that letter. <laughs> you just <laughs> drop that on us. Yeah. Now, you don't have to share details around it if you don't want to, but I mean, uh-huh. here you are reading it for the first time. Is that what you, did I hear that right? Well, I read it in 2012. Oh, okay. No, no, I read it in 2012. Um, so seven years ago. Okay. But I read it this morning for the first time since that seven years ago. Did anything stand out to you in the letter or anything that you feel? Yes. So <laughs> I... I was just skimming over it, and um, my dad wrote in the letter, he said that my brother Casey, um, he's, hi Casey, if you're listening, (laughs) hello Casey. Hello Casey, (laughs) shout out to Casey here. (laughs) My brother Casey had written him while he was there, and and my dad said Casey wrote this in his letter, and I'm going to try to get this on the head of what he said, but... Casey in his letter said, <laughs> this is such my brother, but he said, you made us, you made a stupid mistakes and you're in a bad place. And by a bad place, I mean, you're not with Tessa and Tessa should have been your first priority. Oh, wow. And so there's my, my brother saying that to my dad. Um, and it makes me tear up a little bit because yeah. I'm just so to see my older brothers, their, their love for me. And they were so protective of me and wanted me to feel safe and secure. And my dad wasn't offering that. And they just flat out told him like, you, you should be there for Tessa and you're not, but we're going to be there for Tessa. Wow. And I, so that, I don't, I don't remember the rest of the letter, but because that part to me was like highlighted bold. And I was like, I'm so loved by my family. And yeah. I'm just so grateful for that. Wow. Look, yeah, that is yeah. so, what a blessing. To, yeah. Again, to have brothers and mom and family and mm-hmm. the neighbors and everyone yeah. just rallying around you. And, and you know, it's interesting too, like, you know, you, you even said it, you, you look at your childhood as a really, really good childhood. Yeah. You know, Loved I mean, it. Here, here's a, here's a question I ask often to, to mm-hmm. our, my guests on this is, would you change anything? No, I, I honestly would not change a thing about my childhood as difficult as it was at times. I, mm-hmm. I'm grateful for all the moments. I love that. I, I loved my childhood and I grew up in an awesome neighborhood. We used to play night games with the kids <laughs> and yeah. I had really good friends and I, I honestly feel like I had one of the best childhoods wow, despite awesome. what was going on. Yeah. Yeah. It goes with what we say a lot here. You know, life happens for you. Oh, yes. You yeah. know, which means it's we learn, we grow from it. It's a blessing mm-hmm. ultimately. And we may not feel that in the moment mm-hmm. <laughs> that we're going through something hard. But when we can look back and go, hey, well, yeah, that was hard. But look who I am mm-hmm. today and look what I'm doing today because of it. And, yeah. and now here you are helping so many people with what you do here at Wasatch. Mm-hmm. You know, again, I love that you're helping people experience fun and joy in their mm-hmm. life again yeah isn't that cool i i i love it and i <laughs> i love that life happens for you and i truly i truly believe that and just going back to the childhood piece i think a major important factor of why i felt 
I had such a good childhood is because my mom helped us realize to focus on the things we did have versus those things that we didn't have. Um, and so there was just so much gratitude for the help we did have and the right. home we had and who my brothers and her and just the, that connection we had. And as, as I was talking to my mom about this last night is she's like the most important thing for me as your mother was to just move forward right? and not get caught up in what was going on with your dad because she wanted us to realize that we had our own lives to live right despite what he was doing if he was regressing if he was if he wasn't doing what he was supposed to be doing we could be doing what we all we could do in that moment and just move forward yeah. being grateful for the things we did have wow again did you learn that this was it kind of your mom's example in this yeah i, I mean yeah i think so <laughs> and just my mom and my brothers um and i think i learned a lot by example as a child right because we honestly we didn't talk about things a lot um which is maybe why i struggled so much in college is cuz i finally like got curious about things and started asking yeah. questions um but we we just moved forward the best we could yeah and i also love that when we did talk about my dad and when we did have those discuss discussions yeah we never shamed him we my mom never made me feel like he was a bad person right um it was never like wow your dad is horrible or anything like that there was no shame behind it it was just like this is what's going on with your dad and i'll let his his consequences speak for themselves right and so i never had this like discussion like with my mom like drugs are bad or anything <laughs> i just was i just looked at my dad and what was going on and i knew i don't i don't want that for myself i want that for yourself yeah wow that's amazing that you uh had that awareness and your mom was had that awareness mm -hmm. to teach you guys that and and not to shame them um, I think it's important to point out, you know, because maybe listeners don't understand this because I work with a lot of clients who don't understand the difference mm -hmm. between guilt and shame. Uh, yep. Guilt is we've done something wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, shame is I'm wrong or I'm mm -hmm. bad. Yeah. Right. Shame's not a good place to be. Guilt can be good because it reminds us not to do it again. Yeah. But it shows the maturity of your mom to be able to say, hey, we're not going to we're not going to talk bad about him. Yes, he's doing some things that are bad, mm -hmm. but he's a good guy who's yeah. just struggling through this. And, and we see it every day here at mm -hmm. Wasatch, don't we? They're good people. I know. We're, We're amazing. Like, how did you, how did you get here? What is going on? <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I love that difference between guilt and shame. And, and that, I mean, we, he always said like, I feel guilty for this. And my dad would, but my dad does have a lot of shame. And yeah. I think that's a major difficulty for him. Sure. He lives with a lot of shame. Um, but we talk about that at home too, that idea of guilt and shame. And right. my brother says it all the time. He's in that exact definition. He, he'll bring that up and just awesome. being like guilt promotes growth yeah. and shame just keeps Paralyze you in the same you. place. Yeah, yeah. You're stuck. Mm -hmm. It's like a victim stance. Yep. Really? It really is. I love that. Um, so, you know, 
how how do you think you know like right now with your job you're currently mm-hmm. at because you're you're working with addicts all day long yeah. and how is going through what you you've gone through with your dad and just mm-hmm. that whole situation helped you with what you do here at Wasatch? Yeah, that's a great question. <laughs> um, so I think I initially came into this field because I, I was like, I have this experience with my dad and mm-hmm. um, I I want to help individuals like, like my dad and what happened with my dad. Um, and that's kind of what got me to this population. Yeah. Um, and I do, I think it does help me just being able to understand maybe what they're going through and what their families are going through. Um, but I think now I just, I don't really connect my father's situation with what I do with work. Okay. I think now I just, which is probably a good thing. I, yeah. And there's, yeah, we can, I mean, I have at this point, there's a lot of disconnect with my relationship between me and my dad. And we can talk about that in a second, but I just think now I come into work and I, I don't make that connection with, I just want to help people be the best versions of themselves. And, and I'm more connected with my story with like that eating disorder and realizing how much good can come from feeling just strong and healthy and happy with who you are as an individual. And a lot of that can come through what you do recreationally yeah and yeah. i'm sure you know that because you run like you probably get you know happiness from those runs and yeah. just being able and so i connect it more with my own struggles than i do with with that my okay. dad gotcha but, okay and that's probably really a, that's a healthy thing for mm-hmm. you to do it that way and you know because i do see you you know work with these clients and you do have a really good strong connection with them all and mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just great how you relate to them. And so that's why I asked the question. But uh, the way you said it was beautifully said. And I think that's awesome. Well, yeah, I think (laughs) the addiction with the dad and what I went through in college, they they both helped me to have better understanding of what these people are going through. And just to share, like, how how I personally feel you can overcome those poor beliefs and those poor stories you tell yourself and become more powerful okay i'm gonna ask you a really tough question okay okay if there's one thing you could tell your dad if somehow he's hearing this today what would you tell him right now i knew you were gonna you knew, it, I huh? knew you were gonna ask that question <laughs> you're like i'm hoping he doesn't go there <laughs> and i didn't even think about an answer because i was like but i know that's oh, a tough one and it if, is, you, know, you don't have to answer that no, if you don't I, want to but no i want to answer it um i would tell him that I want him to get better for himself. Um, okay. And I want him to be happy with his own life. I want him to get to the moment where he can look in the mirror mm. and feel satisfied with the reflection he sees. Ooh, I love that. And not, and not feel shame about what happened with certain things and not live in the past and feel feel this regret with the family because we we are okay but i i want him to be okay wow 
So that's probably what Tom. That's, yeah, a, mm-hmm. a very well said again. And uh, thanks for answering the question. Yeah. I know it's a tough one, but what a, what a great message and, mm-hmm. you know, that you would share with him. And I think that's great. And, you know, um, I think he would really appreciate actually hearing that in that way, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, so thank you so much. Um, I, I wanted to also ask you, we talked a little bit about this before we started is, you know, if you could give a challenge or some advice to our listeners, maybe uh, someone's listening to this that has an eating disorder or they have a family member who's struggling with drugs or whatever. Mm-hmm. Can you give us, you know, give give our listeners some advice on that? Yeah. Um, I, I think my challenge or just kind of the, the point of this the whole discussion for me is um to be just a sense of gratitude okay um gratitude for like we said the things that have happened for you and maybe switching from that for you mentality instead of thinking things are happening to you and um if if you have someone who is struggling with addiction or you are struggling with your own eating disorder or this is a poor coping skill in general. Um, yeah. Just talking to someone about it and being authentic. And I think that's <clears throat> where I struggled for a while is I didn't want to talk about it. Right. And I felt my own shame about what was going on. Okay. And once you break down that, that wall, that, that shame barrier, and you're willing to be authentic about it and to talk about it with other people, that's where a lot can change and and then gratitude with that is just realizing this this experience i'm having is going to benefit me if i if i allow it to right yeah wow that's awesome um great great advice great challenge I and mean, gratitude's amazing when we, like you said we can't feel shame and gratitude i don't think at the same time no, can, can you? <laughs> I I don't believe so. If you know anyone, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, don't, I just think that's it's impossible. So if, again, that gratitude piece is very very important, and I mm-hmm. think it does keep us from playing, you know, the victim in that shame stance. Yes, I like what you said about guilt. It, it pro- progresses us forward mm-hmm. to do better and to be better. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, great great advice. I love it. Yeah, and just along with that. Um, being okay with who you are at the moment, but um, I also just think like once we are completely okay with where we are at, that's when we can promote change, right? And and continue to just progress in this life and um, challenge ourselves is when we understand our worth in this moment at this time, and then that's where the change can come from. Yeah, great. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Awesome. Well, you know, I, I, I got to thank you for being willing to do this. Yeah. I didn't know your whole story. And you even said you're going to hear some things today yeah. that I haven't shared much. And so I, I got to tell you how much I, I'm, I'm inspired by you. I'm inspired by what you've said and what you've been through. And to be willing to share this on this Belief Cast today really means a lot to me. And I know our listeners will really appreciate this as well. And so I can't thank you enough for taking the time to do this. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on and for just giving this platform because I think 
all it might be helpful to other people but it honestly was very helpful to me oh cool because i haven't you know i haven't shared this mm-hmm. with a lot of people but i feel like at the at this time like i I'm all, I'm good with sharing it. So good. I I'm very grateful f- to you for letting me do this. Oh, you betcha. And I really think you should share it more often. And there's so many people that can benefit from what you said today. It's really amazing. Um, if someone wants to maybe reach out to you that is going through the same mm-hmm. struggles, yeah. what would be the best way for them to reach out to you? Um, so I'm on Facebook. I'm old school on Facebook, <laughs> <laughs> um, which I just activated again. So and I will keep that open, but. Again, my name is Tessa Yates, and then my email is uh, Tessa Yates. Should I spell that out? Spell it out, yeah. So it's T-E-S-S-A-Y-A-T-E-S-96 at gmail.com. Great. So those are probably the best ways, Facebook or email. Um, awesome. I also work with Todd, so if you want to <laughs> ask Todd, <laughs> he yeah. can prefer to, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you can't get a hold of her for some reason, reach out to me. I'm happy to to, to send the message to, to Tessa. And so, yeah, if you have any questions or if you want to just ask her anything or even thank her for being willing to share her story, please reach out to her. I encourage you to do that. We'll, you know, there'll be many avenues that people will be able to hear this today. And so... But again, thank you so much, Tessa. Thank this was you, awesome. Todd. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Thank you, listeners. And again, thank you to Veracity Networks for the sponsorship of this. And, uh, you know, listeners, we wouldn't be doing this if no one was listening. <laughs> so <laughs> Thank you, listeners. Yeah, so <laughs> grateful that we have people who are willing to download this and share it. So we ask you to continue. And, and thank you for your support. And we'll uh, tell next time, right? Yes. Thanks, Tessa.